What, they think we got three Rod Brandemores or what? I think I started lifting real lightweights when I was like 12. Now listening to the Rod the Podcast with your hosts Jordan Betts and Mike Men. All right, welcome back, everybody. The hiatus is over. It will just be me, uh, Mike, today, as Jordan is unable to make it here today and we both have pretty busy schedules coming up so we just wanted to get an episode out to kind of cover some of the events that have transpired since we last recorded so I'm going to update everybody on kind of where we're at and lead into a future discussion on some of these topics with Jordan. Um, We're sitting here at it is what January 30th um, Monday after the Canes played the Boston Bruins at home, huge four to one victory for the Hurricanes. It's got them sitting at 32, nine and eight currently, first in the Metro and second in the entire league. It's been an interesting season. We've had ups and downs. This team is still finding its way, developing its game, building chemistry. Um, but when you're at the point of the season we're at a little over halfway 49 games in we can kind of start to break down the trends we've seen we can talk about what they might need to do between now and the trade deadline where they're performing well and where they're not and so to jump into it really quick the first thing one of the most polarizing items has been special teams right a Canes penalty kill that's been known over the last several years to be dominant one of the league's best only sitting at about 82 percent which is not bad it's above the league average by almost four percent but it's not what we're used to we're still seeing that aggressive power kill if you'll say um, scoring nine shorthanded goals when the league average is four. I mean, they're they're doing a lot of the things we've seen them do in the past, and the kill has started to look good lately. It seems to be improving, which is a really positive step for this team heading towards playoff season. So the penalty kill, not what we're used to at the beginning. It's starting to shape into what we're used to. On the other side of the coin, we have the power play. We're currently sitting around 18.8% on the power play, which is 3% below the league average. That's a very mind-boggling number when you look at the talent that's on this roster. And it's it, it, it makes you scratch your head sometimes. Uh, there's been nights where it's looked like the worst power play in the league. And then there's been nights where it looks like a serviceable power play. With that being said, we saw in the playoffs last year how important special teams are if you want to be a true cup contender so one of the scariest things about this team right now is the fact that they don't have a top-notch power play simultaneously their penalty kill isn't quite up to par of what it's been in the last few years so certainly special teams are something to talk about and something that we've 
we've been wondering how can you correct this, right? So moving forward, I think that's going to be a big discussion point. How can we solidify the special teams? And I'll talk about a few items later in the podcast that could maybe help there. And then in the future, Jordan and I will certainly have this as a topic of discussion. But just want to start off on that overview, talk about special teams, look at how the team is actually playing. A lot of the analytics, I mean, expected goals well above the league average. That's going to be one of the driving forces for why this team is a Stanley Cup contender is because they are 32-9-8 and eight and they are scoring less than they're supposed to. At a certain point, that number is going to round out. Eventually, we're going to see them hit their stride. Recently, we've seen players like Sebastian Ajo and Martin Natchez get very hot. They've been super entertaining to watch. Svech is in a little bit of a scoring slump, um, but he's still a very productive player even when he's not putting them in the back of the net, creating assists, winning puck battles on the boards, his overall physicality, and just the different attitude he brings to the lineup. Even when he's not scoring, he's still a very important member of this team. So when we look at the overall analytics, the team is playing well. The eye test, they certainly pass it when they're playing their brand of hockey. So there's a lot to be excited about. When you look up and down the lineup, you talk about what might be some areas of weakness. Obviously, with Pacioretty out for the remainder of the year, you've lost that trade deadline-esque player that was going to bolster your scoring and help your power play. So that's left a hole for the Canes. That will certainly need to be filled in one manner or the other leading into the playoffs. Now I say that, and the team is 32-9-8, right? Max Pacioretty played five games. So this team has been highly successful as is. Does that mean they don't need to add? No. Does that mean they need to panic and go out and overspend? Also, no. They've taken a very, and when I say they, the organization has taken a very long-term approach to the way they build the team in the sense that they're not going to sacrifice the future for one season. And when I say that, I'm not saying they're not going to take a run at it, but this isn't going to be what we've seen in the past with a lot of teams. Certainly, they're going to look for value. They're going to look for players that can maybe be a part of it in the long run as opposed to maybe a rental player. But this team isn't going I, – I say isn't. I highly doubt you'll be seeing a name like Seth Jarvis or somebody like that move just because of the value the Canes have in a player they drafted and are now in the process of developing who they have team control over. So I think that if we're going to see additions for this team, you're probably looking at somebody with a little bit of term, potentially a rental that they think they have an opportunity to re-sign or a rental that isn't going to cost them what they're not willing to spend, i.e. current roster players and high, high value um, prospects. So I'm going to jump in and we're going to kind of jump around as we go through this, kind of talk about the team and 
So we obviously have identified a need for scoring help, for power play help. And then in addition to that, you're probably looking to add some center depth in the in the sense that a second line center. Stasny and, and KK have both played in that role a decent amount this season. Neither one of them has really taken the opportunity. With that being said, I think they've both played pretty solid hockey. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Stasny caught a lot of heat early in the season, but he's really started to grow into the system and he provides value down the lineup. I think you're looking at a guy that wins almost 60% of his face-offs has the ability to put the puck in the back of the net plays the right way has experience at age 37. He's not a guy that doesn't have value for this roster. He'll, he'll be playing in the playoffs. You can count on that. Uh, yes, Barry Kokaniemi, a guy that's really on the edge of what's he going to be, right? He's got a massive defensive impact when he's on the ice. He seems to be able to help his teammates. The points aren't there yet. He's playing at about a 30-point season pace right now. You'd hope to have seen that around 40. But at the same time, we're talking about developing a... I know a lot of people hate the cliche, but we're talking about like a Jordan Stahl-esque player. We're talking about a guy that's impact isn't just putting pucks in the back of the net and getting assists. He's going to continue to develop. At this point, he's not number two center. You're going to need more of a scoring impact from that position if you're going to be successful this year. So the first thing we're going to look at is how can this team improve in the top six, whether it's at center or at the wing. Um, a lot of people say, why isn't Martin Natchez playing center? Right now, He, when he does take faceoffs, he's usually on his power side, and he's only winning about 45% of them. If we want to see a real Martin Natchez at center experience, that number is going to have to be well above 50% if he's taking mostly power side faceoffs. So he's not quite there yet. Doesn't mean he won't be there in the future, but it's not really an option because of the value of faceoffs. So we'll we'll jump in really quick. The obvious, the number one topic that everyone's talked about for a while now that I don't think is realistic would be Bo Horvat out of Vancouver. The price for that sounds like it's going to be very steep, and there are a lot of teams that are going to be interested in. In, in acquiring a player of that caliber. With that being said, the strength in the Canes right now is the fact that when Pacioretty goes on LTIR, if Kasha stays on LTIR with Gardner, then you're looking at up upwards of $10 million in cap space, which means the Canes aren't going to have to pay the teams that they're looking to acquire talent from to necessarily retain salary. And it also means that if they don't have to move salary out to bring salary in, this puts them in a very strong position when it comes to looking at different options where teams are simply going to be priced out due to cap restraints, et cetera. So Bo Horvat, we all, he's having an electric season. He's a goal scorer could certainly help this lineup. I don't see the Canes paying for a player of that caliber because it sounds like Vancouver wants a roster player plus a lot of other additions. So 
Don't hold your breath on that deal. Other centers that I could see the team targeting, maybe a Nick Schmaltz out of Arizona, a guy that's had 82 points in his last 82 games, four years left on his deal at $5.85 million, still young, so we're not talking about a player that's going to age out of his prime in that four years. It's a player that I could see the Canes targeting. On the other end of the spectrum, a little bit of an older player in Adam Henrique out of Anaheim. Two years left at $5.825 million. A guy that's been there, he can provide scoring. He would certainly fit into Rod Brendamore's playing style. A true veteran of the league. That's a guy that I could see the Canes making a move for, especially because I think the price to make that trade would be significantly lower than a lot of the other guys that we're mentioning. Next on that list, similar type player, a little more manipulation would have to go into making the deal actually work, and that's Jonathan Taves out of Chicago. He's got one year left at $10.5 million. You'd need to have a little bit of retention by Chicago to make that deal work. You're talking about bringing in a Stanley Cup winner, a captain, a leader, a 100% Rod Brendamore type player. Will he bring the points that this roster needs? Maybe not, but would we complain about having the player as well? No. Maybe not the ideal fit at this point in his career, but certainly not a player that I would say no to. The next player on this list is in the same category as Bo Horvat, a player that would be extremely expensive to require, is also in the last year of their contract, is also an unrestricted free agent, that being Dylan Larkin. Now, Larkin and Horvat both, if you're making that deal, you you have to have a strong sense that your strong sense or know that you're re-signing the player now in order to do that the team has to give you the ability to negotiate with that player and their agent which is ultimately up to Detroit and Vancouver in this scenario so when you're looking at a Larkin when you're looking at a Horvat we're talking about two pieces that are going to be very expensive to acquire would require the team trading them away to be willing to allow you to negotiate a new contract with the player. And ultimately, I, don't, I just think there's too much on the board between the price and the necessity to negotiate a further contract. That being said, I do think there's potential that both of those guys are available. We know Horvat is available. I think there's a good chance that Larkin is as well. And they're definitely names that we would want to keep an eye on at the center position. Continuing on in the center position, looking out at Philadelphia, Canes have been linked to Kevin Hayes. Check the price. Four years, $7.14 million a year. Another guy that is having a good season, He's got term. I think the dollar amount is a little high for what the Canes would want. And when I say a little high, I think it's about $2 million high for what they want out of a second-line center. There would need to be some cap retention by Philadelphia. And over four years, that may not be something that they're interested in. Good player. I think would fit the system well. 
could provide some scoring depth. Certainly somebody to keep your eye out on. And then to end off the list of centers, somebody that we've talked about multiple times, Ryan O'Reilly out of St. Louis, one year, 7.5 million, currently injured. That's somebody that you're probably getting as a rental on the cheaper side. And the fact that the Canes wouldn't ask St. Louis to retain anything or could not ask St. Louis to retain anything makes it an interesting scenario, something that we could see shape out. With that being said, there's lots of centers available that could fit that second line center role. And there's a decent amount of talent. Now, We'll see how much the Canes are willing to get up, give up, excuse me, to maybe go out and acquire one of these guys. If they take the approach that they're happy with their current centers and they don't choose to go the center route, then we can talk about other talks, top six fours. And the first one we'll talk about has been linked all across the league. Everybody's called to see and that's Timo Meyer out of San Jose. One year at $6 million remaining, restricted free agent. Similar scenario in that you would want to go ahead and negotiate the next contract because the, the, the offer sheet, or not the offer sheet, excuse me, the um, qualifying offer for Timo Meyer is double digits in the millions. So I, I believe it's over $10 million dollars. And that's not going to be a realistic payday for the player. So you don't want to acquire a player that you end up having to qualifying offer at that figure. So that's another scenario where there's tons of interest around the league because they have negotiating power over an RFA. Another one that's going to be very expensive that might be out of the Canes market. Another player that we've talked about in the past out of Philadelphia, Travis Konechny, solid top six, six forward, has the ability to score, is a very pest-like player, almost Brad Marchand-esque. Three years at $5.5 million remaining. Talented player, maybe not exactly what you're looking for, but at that cap hit, with that much term remaining for a team that's certainly going to be looking to sell, I think that you have to at least kick tires on on Travis Konechny out of Philly. Uh, to round out the wingers, another guy we've talked about for multiple years now in Vlad Tarasenko out of St. Louis. One year, $7.5 million, coming off injury. Somebody to consider if you're looking for a like-for-like like trade for Pacioretty to bring in what you had already wanted. Not sure exactly what the price is going to be. Um, there's already been a lot of interest around the league, which will only drive the price up. But it's certainly a player that could come in immediately, help you at five on five, and help you on your power play. So if the Canes choose to go center, plenty of options. Winger, there's some decent options as well. There's definitely more out there. But those are just some big names that we could look at if we want a major impact going into the playoffs. Another item which will make navigating the trade waters a little bit harder is the fact that you're probably going to want to add on defense as well. Now, likely we're talking about bottom six help. So bottom pairing help 
excuse me. So third pairing. Because really, you've got to feel good about your top four. Chatfield is having a heck of a season. Really has stepped into the role and flourished. Love what we see out of him. And Dehan has played pretty serviceably as well as your sixth defenseman. So if you're bringing in somebody, you're probably looking to bring in someone that either shores up your depth so that Dylan Coglin isn't the first guy in for the playoffs if there's an injury or potentially bringing in somebody that helps on the power play. With that being said, I think if you're looking for somebody to shore up depth, it's been a name that's been talked across around the league. That's going to be Vladislav Gavrikov out of Columbus. That's one year at $2.8 million left. He would be able to come in, provide depth on defense, a solid player, a rental player, but a very solid player that shores up your your blue line. I think that's a a, a really quality ad if the Canes are looking in that area. If you're looking for a long-term ad, which we know the Canes are fans of adding players with a little bit of term, a name we've talked about before and a name that's been talked about all over the league, Jacob Chikrin out of Arizona, three years at $4.6 million, a player that will bring you defensive help and clearly some much-needed power play and offensive help as well. That's going to be a pricey addition if the Canes are interested in it. Um, he hasn't been moved yet because of how high the trade price is for him. The interest around the league has been through the roof, so not a name that I anticipate getting moved to Carolina, but certainly someone that you'd want to check in on, see what's see what the interest level is from Arizona and getting a deal done and seeing what price they might be looking for. Another name is a guy we were heavily linked with in the offseason, a guy we were heavily linked with at the trade deadline being John Klingberg. He's on that one-year $7 million prove-it deal. Hasn't really worked out great for him. Uh, there would need to be some salary retention on Anaheim's end to make that deal make sense for the Hurricanes. But a guy that could come in, play on your bottom pair, provide defensive support, and certainly upgrade your second power play unit. Certainly a name to look out for as a rental deal at the deadline. And the last name, which may not be available, a guy with two years of term, which works out really nicely for the future deals you have to negotiate with people like Ajo, with people like Taravina, et cetera, et cetera, is Philip Heronik out of Detroit. Two years at $4.4 million, somebody that would immediately step in, be able to support your power play massively, has top four ability defensively, would likely be playing on your third pairing regardless which just makes you that much stronger. Right-handed defenseman, also an RFA. Really interesting crop of defensemen there. There's plenty of other ones available on the market, but when you're looking to solidify your depth, I think Gavrikov is your greatest option. And then when you're looking to maybe add a little bit of physicality, add a little bit of power play help, a little bit of defensive depths as well. You're looking at Chikrin, Klingberg, and Hironik. Some good names out there. Certainly room for this team to improve. So I would I would be surprised if we don't see some additions happen here in the next month. 
We know the Canes aren't huge fans of making deadline deals. So they like to give players the opportunity to come in, adjust to the system, build chemistry with their line mates, etc. So I would be looking for deals to happen in the next month. If we're going up to the trade deadline, I would think you're looking at more depth ads like a Gavrikov or like some forwards that we didn't mention that are more depth ads. So as we stand right now, team's in a good position. You have to like the way they're playing at five on five. Team needs to control themselves, take less penalties, um, and then be more effective on the power play. Really happy with what we've seen out of a lot of players. Goaltending, you have a three-headed monster in Ranta, Anderson, and Kochetkov. I think Kochetkov being down in the AHL is only going to be great for his game. He's going to get more game time, build his confidence up, work on a few of the things he needs to work on. And then if Anderson can get back to the old Anderson that we saw, even some of what we saw last year, and if Ranta can be healthy and get to the peak of his game, you really have to like those three goalies as the goalies that you ride into the playoffs. I don't see any need to go out and add a goalie or anything along those lines. I think between the three of those guys, you're setting yourself up to have at least one hot goalie going into the remainder of the season in the playoffs. So with that being said, just a quick update. We hope you all enjoy it. And in the coming weeks, Jordan and I will get together and start talking about some of these topics in a little more depth so that we can break down why we see moves happening, why we don't, what we think needs to be changed, and we can have a little more conversation around all of that. We hope you all have a great rest of your week, and go Canes!